0: Andrew Goldstein, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. And actually, uh, the last time you we were on this show, uh, we did not have our co-host. So I, I need to do the proper introduction. Uh, Andrew, say hello to Chris, our co-host. Our co-host, Chris. Chris, how
1: are you, sir?
0: Doing good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm uh,
1: I'm super happy to uh, to join you guys. To talk a little
2: WrestleMania. I'm excited
0: oh, yeah. for you too. We were actually playing the old school WrestleMania. Uh, Intro from like ninety, ninety one, and ninety two because we kind of had a double main event today. We had you on, we have you on now, and we had Jason Sensation on in the first hour, who was you know the guy who was famous for doing the Owen Hart thing with the Nation or DX playing the Nation. So we were kind of billing today as a double main event, Andrew.
1: I love it. Me and Jason Sensation. Uh, uh, I haven't been this excited about a tag team since the Beverly Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> He had uh, he actually had some tremendous insight on on Daniel Bryan because he and Daniel trained together in uh, Shawn Michaels' school way back when. So so good stuff. But you know, before we get into WrestleMania, I want to mention that I saw you tweeting. You were at Raw last week, and I wanted to ask you how your experience was there. What'd you think about it?
1: Oh man, Raw was fantastic. I mean, uh, the Barclays Center is quickly becoming my favorite new venue to watch wrestling uh, inside. I mean, the crowd was electric. Uh, it was sort of the coming out party of the, the, the baby face version of the shield. Right. And, um, it was, it was really awesome to, uh, to be there live for that. And, uh, any, anytime you go to a live show on the road to WrestleMania, so to speak, it's, uh, it's really, um, a heightened wrestling experience. But I got to sit ringside with, uh, thanks to my buddy Peter Rosenberg, who is all over the internet talking about wrestling. He's, uh, of the Grantland podcast and, and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Saw a lot of stuff uh, up close and personal. And it, if anybody has a chance to go to the Barclays Center uh, for wrestling, do it because uh, there's just something about that place and that crowd.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've been up to New York maybe two or three times, and I know I know you're up there. You know, currently it's where you live. But I mean, you know, when you rate it to the Garden, I mean, you're ranking this above the Garden. Is that am I am I hearing you correctly?
1: No, I'm just saying it's it, it's getting there. You know. It's almost like you have the garden, and then everything else is second fiddle. But now there's another venue within, you know, the five boroughs of New York City that uh, kind of, you know, can can stand up to it. Uh, you know, it's way better than the Meadowlands.
0: Oh yeah, that 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 place is a dump. I mean, no offense to you guys up there, but that place is kind of a it's it's got it's got that cool like vintage look and all that when you go through the concourse. I was up there for Access last year, but it's kind of it's kind of a dump. I mean, I you know. Just my take on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean it's old school and and it's got a super long wrestling legacy. Uh, any old you know classic WWF fans, uh, lots of historic matches took place to, at the Meadowlands, but uh, and also the Nassau Coliseum both. But uh, I mean Barclays Center is brand spanking new. The acoustics are amazing. The crowds hype, and uh, you know it's just all vantage points in the arena are really really fantastic for wrestling.
0: Well, very cool. Now, this is how I want to transition into WrestleMania, because one of the big uh, angles on Raw this week, which you were there, you saw it, was the uh, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar. I've been a little bit critical of this build up on the shoot dot com. I have a whole article I've written about it, and I want to get your take on it, Andrew. The you know, it just seems like Brock Lesnar's not really been able to get any kind of heat in this angle. And, you know, what's your what's your take on the whole buildup as a whole?
1: um well i got to say i was kind of disappointed in myself as uh the you know smart wrestling fan sitting ringside to not sort of watch and 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 uh see how they hit the uh, you know how they brought the undertaker down hit him under the ring uh for his you know his appearance in the uh in the coffin
3: mm-hmm.
1: um so i missed that but i, I mean obviously i was I, I was preoccupied i saw the results of it i just didn't I, I wanted to see how they placed him uh, and walked him down so nobody noticed. But anyway, um, I think it's been okay. I love Brock. I like really anything that Brock does. He's been kind of made to look like the fool right? Uh, a little more than I would do. You know, he hasn't looked strong. He hasn't looked like the beast. But that's what they do with Taker. They make people cower in fear. If, if you're wrestling, you know, that he hasn't gotten one. He hasn't gotten one on The Undertaker yet. And uh, I think that's what everyone, like yourself, is waiting for.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I was wondering how would you equate this because I know this isn't this is the first WrestleMania match between the two. But how would you equate it to how they handled like Brock back in, let's say, oh three, whenever they were both well, doing their the SmackDown run.
1: I actually just realized I'm mistaken. He did get one, you know, early on in in the story with uh, you know putting him through the. Uh, I oh, know that was Taker put Brock through the table. So no, yeah. I'm right. Brock, yeah, Brock Brock has yet to really, uh, you know, make his presence known uh, on Taker. But you know, they're keeping Taker clean. Are you asking just in general how they're using Brock compared to 2003, or just with Taker Taker Brock?
2: Yeah, yeah, to- just just Taker Brock because they they went back and forth in 03 over the uh, WWE title. Yeah, and I
1: mean had- obviously, obviously now. We're what, uh, 11 years later? And I think, you know, Taker's a much different kind of uh, worker, different, much different. He's being used much differently. Um, both, both guys, Taker and Brock, are limited use superstars. They're, they're um, attractions at this point. Right. So it's much different than 2003, where both were active roster, you know, competitors. You saw them week to week. They had every single week to tell their story, and uh, you could go multiple pay-per-views with those guys and sort of um, a traditional, you know, program with those guys. But this, the, you know, leading up to WrestleMania, like I said, they're both part-time players right now, and they're, they're trying to maximize, uh, you know, these last couple weeks uh, before WrestleMania. I, th- I think it's a completely different um, story arc and, and execution.
0: Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I, I just, you know, I look at it, I'm kind of just like, you know, when Brock came back in, in 2012 and the thing that they did with John Cena, and I wasn't mad that he lost to John Cena. I mean, I thought that that match was pretty incredible. I, I really enjoyed it thoroughly, but just the entire use of him, like, I I don't so much have a problem with him losing. I don't think that's the issue. I just think it's with how he's portrayed in the build-up to these matches where it just seems like he's not always billed as a uh, a credible threat to me. That's that's kind of what I've seen. Uh, Is that kind of your opinion, or do you have another take on it? Yeah, I mean, I'm half and half because,
1: to me, Brock is, and and partly, again, due to how they use him and how they've made him an attraction, even though he pretty much loses most of the time now uh, when he actually does wrestle a match, but... Just the, the specialness of seeing Brock work because he isn't a week to week superstar. Um, you know, I'm still I, I'm still in awe when I see the guy. I still think it. You know, he's worthy of a match with the Undertaker. Obviously, we know that uh, we're pretty sure the Taker's going to go over. Yeah. But uh, you know, but Brock's not a guy who needs to go over on Taker. So I think it's just one of those matches that's been sort of uh even though it happened in 2003 it's sort of a dream match um ever ever since that moment at the ufc pay-per-view where they they kind of locked eyes and and had that moment outside the the realm of professional wrestling everybody kind of got their juices flowing again and and um, now here we are all these years later i don't know how many more matches with taker we have left uh, as fans maybe one maybe maybe two if we're lucky so this is pretty good, and, and looking at the roster, you know, case can be made for Cena, case can be made for Bray Wyatt, but uh, Brock's right up there with, you know, the number one guy you'd want to, to see uh, wrestle taker. One last note uh, it just popped into my head. You know, back in 2003, the whole idea of mimicking MMA in a wrestling ring was sort of uh, was not really... Was pretty frowned upon. It wasn't. It wasn't something that was uh, widely done. And now right. here we are in 2014. We've had that match between Cena and, and Brock, where you know with heavy MMA influences, we've had those Samoa Joe, you know, Kurt Angle matches, you know, in the cage. So I think this match this match will be much different than all of their other matches. In that, I think we're going to see a lot of MMA influence. I think we're going to see a lot of shooting, a lot of striking. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, that newfangled Undertaker and that post-UFC Brock Lesnar.
0: Yeah, I, you know, as much as I've been down kind of on the build, I, I think that this match, uh, if they go kind of that, that mode you're talking about with the MMA and stuff, I think it could be incredible. And, you know, I kind of think back again to that John Cena Brock Lesnar match where they kind of incorporated some of that kind of real smash mouth kind of, you know, rough style and it really created this incredible storytelling through the ring. I, I just I look back on it today, and I'm still blown away by that match. So if they get something yeah, close to a, that, that's
1: one of my favorite matches. Uh, you know, in the last you know three years, uh, I say it was my favorite match of 2012. And um, yeah, I, I didn't like the finish, but it's a, you know at that point it didn't matter. I, lo- I just absolutely loved the match. So um, I yeah, if anybody can can sort of. Do what Cena did, and bring what Cena did out of Brock Lesnar. It's or out of under, um, out of Brock Lesnar. It's it's the Undertaker.
0: Yeah. One of the thing mm-hmm. on Undertaker is we're kind of in that WrestleMania mode. You know, there's been the rumors of, you know, Sting saying he wants one more match and he wants it to be with Undertaker. But if Undertaker, let's say, you know, if if you were in some sort of power in the WWE and Undertaker's coming in and saying, look, I really got one more year. Are you going to waste it on Sting? Are you going to go with John yeah. Cena? Who Who would you go with if that was your call?
1: Look, if Taker, after after WrestleMania thirty, you know, you get a couple months in, and Taker gives that phone call to Vince and they they talk about uh, what he's got left, um, and he says, "Look, I got one more WrestleMania left." I think, me personally, uh, you know, I think, it, you, for wrestling's sake, you end the streak. And you give it to a young guy. Hopefully, it's Bray Wyatt by the time by, Wrestle, by the time WrestleMania 31 rolls around. Bray Wyatt's still hot, um, coming off hopefully what will be a win over John Cena to really make him as a credible, you know, heel. Yeah. Um, I just think. I just think. Obviously, there's tons of equity in the streak, continuing the streak, continuing the legacy of the Undertaker we'll hear about it nonstop for the next 20 years with DVDs and and Hall of Fame tributes and etc but i think there's so much that i think wrestling tradition is that like at some point you know taker's got to relinquish the title he's got to he, he's got to put somebody over and i hate for the last the last time we see undertaker he's wrestling a guy in a t-shirt who is <laughs> you know 10 years past his prime i want it to oh, be God. i want it to be a young guy who can bring the best out of the last match uh, for The Undertaker. I'm not board with the whole Sting thing. I would like to see Sting get his WWE moment, but not against The Undertaker.
0: Fair enough. And let, let me piggyback off your idea here for just a moment. You're talking about Bray Wyatt. What if, what if they had the uh, discipline to keep Bray Wyatt strong? Could he be a guy that, let's say, if he were to take the streak and, and beat The Undertaker, could he be a guy that they would use for the next 10, 20 years to build his own streak? What do you think about something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about um, you know another streak with another guy, but obviously you put him over Cena in WrestleMania thirty, and then you put him over Undertaker, and, and the streak WrestleMania thirty one. Bray Wyatt, your 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 next uh, your next money guy. I think he's getting close to being that already, but um, I don't know about another. I don't think they need another streak. I would hope that they don't you know put titles on him and take titles off of him at a at a freakishly fast rate that, like they've been, like they had been doing in the early 2000s, but um, right. with other superstars. But I don't think they need a streak. I think it's a good idea. I don't think I don't think they need to do that. I just think nice these big clear pay per view wins for uh, Bray Wyatt um, can can really get him to the point where he's the top heel, and uh, obviously Daniel Bryan's top babyface, and looks to be looks. It looks like he will be that for the next year or two.
0: Yeah, you know, and and Bray Wyatt, I mean, his promos are so strong. I mean, when you you watch his promos, do you get the sense that they are scripting those things or do you think they're kind of letting him, you know, go with it a little bit and kind of giving him more bullet points? Because we hear so often about, you know, maybe they're scripting or over-scripting guys. When you look at his promos, what do you think? Are you think they're scripting (laughs) it word for word or is he kind of running with it a little bit?
1: I have have no... um, I have no uh, ties to WWE anymore. I don't really talk to anybody that's still there. Right. But you know, I, I read all the things stuff that you read. Yeah. And you know, I'm I hear from everything I hear and read and and um, you know, I'm privy to. It sounds like the guy writes them himself, runs them by a writer, gets a couple, you know, makes a couple tweaks for production's sake, and that's it. I, I, apparently, everything. Everything comes from Bray Wyatt, from Wyndham Rotunda You know, that's yeah. all from his crazy warped, uh, warped brain. And more power <laughs> to him. I mean, it's it's old school. So many things about his presentation is it is old school, and I appreciate that. And I I just appreciate the 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 refocus on classic and old school wrestling, um, you know, standards, if you will. Uh, sure. You know, mm-hmm. they're paying they're paying a lot more tribute to. Uh, history than they have in the past, and yeah. uh, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt's a, a big reason for that.
2: Oh, definitely. Hey, I got I. Well, you had mentioned that uh, I know Gary touched on you know asking if they had, you know, how much of it Bray had w- written, how much of it was you know mostly the writers. Now, when you were there, did you actually did you prefer to act, you know to have a little bit more control over like some of the promos or anything like that, or you know whatever your involvement was, <laughs> or or did you prefer, you know, when they came when they came up with their own stuff and then just tweaked it?
1: When I would say there weren't that many guys that um, the instruction was just, you know, go up to them, tell them the idea, and let them let them bullet it out for you. I mean, I remember being told to write a promo for JBL, and I was just like, well, that's not happening. I'm just going to go up and, <laughs> you know, basically just would go up to JBL, tell him the beats that he had to hit, and then he would go do it in in whatever form he wanted to do it. But then... And Cena was that way. Cena would kind of write, script his own promos kind of with the help of, of uh, Brian and Ed. But um, other than that, like, I, you know, I was on SmackDown, so most of the guys were young. Most of the guys were were the, the, the type of... Uh, or the guys that I dealt with were the type of guys who, you know, everything was scripted word, to, word for word. In fact, my favorite thing I ever did, writing-wise, was uh, the promo I wrote for Ken... Um, Ken Kennedy
3: right.
1: in his program with the Undertaker, the black. He's sitting. I, I've talked about it on a couple shows. He he's sitting on a stool. Everything behind him is blacked out, and he's just straight to camera, intense promo about not being fooled by the parlor tricks of the Undertaker. Right. And you know, credit to Kennedy or Ken Anderson. Now, I mean, he he literally said word for word what I wrote on the paper, and he just and he smashed it. He killed it. It was one of the best promos he had done in his WWE
0: career. Yeah, that was that was a good one, man. I I want to look back to uh to Raw this week the thing that was Cena, you know, I thought it was uh you know, head and shoulders above the week before where he was kind of talking about Bray Wyatt as a homeless man in Margaritaville. It was kind of the Cena, you know, kind of joking, not taking it so seriously, but but this week they really got back on track. But did you think that when Cena's kind of doing that silly stuff that that damaged Bray in any way or their build up at all?
1: Uh, I normally, I mean, just in general, I think that Cena's shtick is, is so damaging to all the story, you know, most storylines that he's in. Right. I I always want to see Cena be, you know, I like that last week, that go home week to the pay-per-view where they actually let Cena or make Cena be serious. I thought the, the build to both rock matches were really frustrating to see him, to see them both take it in a joking manner as opposed to a serious. You know, my big my big critique of the Cena Rock build and those promos were like that's just not how guys, how men men talk to each other when they have a personal conflict, and it was all jokes and and all sort of quippy one liners
3: yeah. and you know
1: pop culture references when you know they could have gotten a really intense you know personal conflict story out there, but um, in terms of Cena with Bray, yeah, I mean. I don't think we needed the jokes, but it didn't it didn't affect me as much this time just because we haven't seen anybody approach spray Wyatt like that. Right. Yet. So it was kind of cool to have seen verbalized verbalize what a lot of people sitting at home watching are, you know, were sort of joking about with spray sure. Wyatt. I don't but I don't think it hurt uh the story because, you know, like I said, he came out last week and was much more serious in tone. I would like it, uh, I would like it to be more frequent on the serious side than on the John Cena comedian side, but right. that's his thing and it's worked for him. He's been on top for 10, 11 years, so you can't really knock it, but.
0: No, I'm not, I'm not trying to no, completely no. knock him at all. And, and, you know, you kind of hit on a point that uh, I didn't even think about where you know, people at home were kind of thinking now, you know, maybe he's, he's saying what we're all thinking. But when he went on raw last week and talked about how he was afraid of Bray Wyatt, how he was, you know, dangerous and and things like that. I mean, that was just, that was good stuff. It was really good. That's a huge deal. Yeah.
1: That's a huge deal to have a baby face admit on TV that he's afraid of the, of the heel that he has to face. I mean, that doesn't happen too often. Usually it's the baby face, you know, bravado thing. So yeah, it was super, uh, it was cool and refreshing to hear.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see what they have up their sleeve tomorrow. I'll be, I'll be there in person to kind of see what's going on in DC and hopefully they can knock it out of the park again. But I mean, my God, Bray Wyatt week after week, he's not had one bad promo. I've not watched one. and said, all. You know, this one was better than the other one. It seems like every week they just keep getting better and better and better. It's, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah. I mean, my gripe with Bray Wyatt uh, in the beginning, and I, I just actually wrote about it for my my PW mania column that should be out in a couple of days. Oh cool. Um uh goldstein on wrestling if i can give myself a little plug. Of but course. My my big my big frustration in the beginning was he was just Bray Wyatt was saying a lot of things but none of it was really none of it mattered. Like none of it made any sense, none of it meant anything. He put Kane on the shelf, nobody really cared because he never explained why. Yeah. We weren't getting the why to the Wyatt family. We were just getting these bizarre promos and these bizarre sort of blackout moments. And, you know, we, we just weren't getting a reason why they were terrorizing who they were terrorizing. And now finally, you know, we're starting, their promos are starting to make sense now because they're sort of raging against this sort of 10 year fan favorite John Cena, you know, um, establishment. They're sort of, you know, uh, making themselves anti-establishment in their own way. So I'm excited that the promos at least have a direction now. They're not just sort of crazy Riddler, you know, crazy riddles and backwoods, you know, jargon.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, and, you know, kind of thinking back when you're talking about the Kane and, and even the Daniel Bryan stuff, I do remember just the phrase that Bray Wyatt would use about wanting to take down the machine, and it got me wondering if WWE was kind of geniuses back then, if they had this John Cena, Bray Wyatt thing, you know, kind of planned all along because... He was talking about in these promos wanting to bring down the machine, and I'm wondering if he's talking about the machine that's WWE or the machine that's John Cena. And of course, hindsight is everything. But looking back now, I'm kind of like, wow, you know, maybe maybe they were onto something back then. I don't know. Could be.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, you can look at the current Mania card and be like, oh man, Punk left and they had to redo the whole thing. But you could also look at it and be like, kudos to WWE, man. They've been long term booking this thing. Heard since Summerslam, because you know, look at the Batista and Orton. That's been booked since since they negotiated with or- with uh, Batista to come back. Th- that that match seemingly has been booked since they put the title since they had you know since they put the title on Randy Orton or oh, yeah. stripped the title from Daniel Bryan and put the title on Randy Orton. I mean, that whole story looks to be as if it, it had been in the works since Summerslam. Um, obviously. We know that Punk was supposed to wrestle uh, Triple H, how and so where Daniel Bryan would have ended up, who knows, but a lot of the elements of the stories that we're getting now leading up to WrestleMania are things that were put in motion right at SummerSlam, so I give credit to WWE. I mean, there's the most signs, there's the most evidence of long-term booking now uh, than in, in recent history.
0: Right. Yeah it's uh you know I really like the touch that they added where cuz it seemed like a few weeks ago before they before Triple H came out and said hey look I'm going to make this a triple threat no matter what I'm going to add myself or you know what have you before then it kind of seemed like it was Daniel Bryan's guaranteed to win, and I still think he's going to win. I still truly believe that, but I love that small touch of adding the doubt to the fan. So it didn't seem like this, you know, this conclusion that people could come to that said, oh, it's a given. Daniel Bryan's going to win. When they added in Triple H to the mix, a lot of people were kind of very upset, you know, because they're kind of playing along. And I'm like, this is a smart move because it adds doubt to the match and yeah. it doesn't make it so obvious. Yo, I got
1: to tell you two things on that. I got to tell you, uh, Super like you said, super, super smart move. I mean, first of all, it trolls all the smart wrestling fans out there that are <laughs> it, it's just it's the most epic trolling. Especially look, especially if Triple H actually wins, which I don't think is gonna happen, but let's just play out that scenario for a oh second. Let's say Triple H Uh-oh. does beat Stan O'Brien. It's the most epic trolling of wrestling nerds uh of all time. Like they, sure they're just is. they would just be Dangling a carrot in front of every smart wrestling fan and then pulling it away. Um, it, I mean, I would like it just for that reason because it would just be, like I said, just the most epic trolling of internet fans ever. <laughs> and then the other thing, playing that scenario out: Triple H wins, he gets put in the match. Mm-hmm. How cool is the three guys from the, the three guys from Evolution in one match? I mean, as Triple Threats go, I wouldn't mind seeing that match.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know how much the fans want to see it. I mean, I I wouldn't be completely opposed to it. And that was part of the uh the selling point to me, Andrew, cuz I did buy tickets. I will be in New Orleans next week, but
1: I will be as well. We should hang out. We, we should uh, catch each other in the parking lot. Whoa. Absolutely.
0: Let's I I have your contact information, so we're going to make that happen, but I, that was part of the the selling point for me, Andrew, was like, you know, this thing could either be really cool. We can kind of get that mania moment that we're going to remember forever. Daniel Bryan. Yes. 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 75, 80,000 people, whatever it is. Or we get this incredible train wreck disaster of fans, <laughs> perhaps maybe going completely ape shit and losing their minds. If he does not, I mean, it could be like Bash at the Beach. They could be throwing stuff in the ring. I mean, who knows? I don't know. That was part of the selling point it's, to me. It could be
1: road wild. It's- Sturgis. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh my I'm kidding. God!
0: I'm just joking.
1: I'm just joking. But uh, shout out to Eric Bischoff, Road Wild Sturgis. But uh, listen, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think there's. I don't think there's any chance. Look, the, the the powers that be at WWE, regardless of what people think, they're very smart people. I think there's 99.9 percent chance that Dana Bryan goes over in both matches, and we go off. We go off camera on WrestleMania 30. Dana Bryan. Standing on the corner of the ring, yes chance, both titles draped around his shoulders, confetti falling, maybe some tears in his beard. Yeah. You know, everybody go everybody going crazy. It's a huge babyface moment. And whether he has a Rey Mysterio run or a CM Punk run with the title I don't think it matters because we finally, as fans, we get that Daniel Bryan moment.
0: Right, you you get the payoff. We had uh, uh, Alex Greenfield on last year around Survivor Series talking about SummerSlam to up until Survivor Series and how you know we were kind of thinking like, man, what the hell are they doing with Bryan? And he said, you know, it reminded him a lot of Ray Mysterio, where they they finally gave Ray that big moment and they kind of really just you know through every uh, wrench in the plans they could to make him just not look so great. And uh, I hope that it, I hope that it goes differently personally, because I think Brian deserves better than that, but still we get our moment and that's, what's most important. And I think now the fans have to put up or shut up. And if they really believe in Daniel Bryan, they need to support him and they need to buy the tickets. They need to buy the merchandise and they need to watch the television show with this guy on top. And that's, I mean, that that's their duty. If if WWE gives them what they want, then they better, you know, also, uh, you know, give that back and show that support for Dana Bryan. Because if they don't, then all the critics are right. They said, oh, you know, he he was never a draw, and this, that, and the other thing. You know, I think the yeah. fans need to put up or shut up on that as well.
1: Well, just for the record, Alex Greenfield doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm <laughs> kidding. He was he was my head writer. He, he's AG Classic. I'm AG Dose. And um, but uh, yeah, uh, Greenfield's a hack.
0: <laughs> wow, we got that clean. We got that clean. <laughs> oh, we're gonna be talking to him on the Sunday after WrestleMania, so I'll have that audio queued up and ready to go. <laughs> He'll
1: love it, believe me. Nobody loves it more than uh,
2: Alex Greenfield.
0: Very good. Uh, let me ask you this though: if if we see a whole lot of uh, you know kind of crazy things going on at Mania in terms of like cheap finishes, interference, if Daniel Bryan wins but there's kind of you know interference or he gets there in some cheap form, I mean, does that damage him in any way, or do you think people just won't care?
1: Uh, I would hope I would hope that he goes over uh, clean, uh, but with three guys in the ring, triple threat. Probably some shenanigans will happen. Some some kind of schmoz will happen, and and um, you know Daniel Bryan will win in in some questionable fashion. So the next night on Raw, you know both both heels can can claim uh, you know claim they were screwed. But um, I would hope that doesn't happen. I don't think I don't think it damages them as long as we. Uh, I think at this point fans literally just want that moment, that like boyhood dream, Shawn Michaels moment for Daniel Bryan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I hope that happens. I mean, that'll, that'll definitely make the trip uh, all, all the more worth it if it does, for sure. And, and just to kind of look big picture on this whole event, Andrew, I mean, do you get that big event feel like previous WrestleManias, or, you know, are you excited about this show?
1: I, you know, I wasn't for the longest time, but it's little by little, I mean, I think since the Occupy Raw episode... Right. ...um... I've I really kind of come around. I mean, obviously, I've been excited for Brock uh, Taker for years. Actually, now since like I said, since that UFC encounter, um, I, you, you know what, what I'm not excited about is like if you look at the card as a whole, it's a lot of like, um, uh, you know, the Battle Royal. I like the nod to history, but I kind of wish it was Money in the Bank. Oh I yeah, I really think this. Definitely. I really think this this year especially. I'm going to miss. I remember sitting um you know uh I remember sitting at WrestleMania last year wishing there was money in the bank really missing it hard. But this year especially, I mean this would be the year of Cesaro. This would be the year where Cesaro would uh would would leave WrestleMania with that briefcase. I would have to believe. And um I feel like, you know, it's kind of a shame that we we're not going to get that moment and that's uh you know, that match always used to sort of Quietly steal the show, or not quietly, actually. But yeah. you know the battle royal pool, but really we've seen a million battle royals. I don't know, Um, you know, if the big show wins, it doesn't really do that much for me, um, unless of course Bret Hark wins and Bad News Brown, the late Bad News Brown, busts the statue over him <laughs> with the ghetto blaster. But uh, <laughs> I don't think that's going I don't think that's gonna happen. So in lieu of that, you know. I, I don't like these mishmash matches like the divas and the battle royal like just trying to get everybody a paycheck. Yeah, I kind of just I wish there was something of, that had more meaning. You know, I I I wish we had I I wish we were getting Cody versus Goldust. I wish we were getting there's some undercard matches I wish we were getting that we're not getting. Right. Um, I think the, you know I think where they've gone with the tag team picture is kind of weird. I think the Shield. The Shield versus Kane and the New Age Outlaws is weird. is a weird mishmash to me. It's like a story they're trying to rush to make sense for Mania. Yeah. So, beyond the top four matches, which usually is the case, but beyond the top four, you know, I'm not that excited. But I am really excited for Bray Cena. I'm really excited for uh, you know Brock Taker, and I'm excited for the you know the two main events.
0: Yeah. I mean, it should be a really good show. And and you brought up Cesaro there. I mean, the future looks bright. I mean, we're talking, you know, think about like Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Cesaro. Those are just three names that come to mind. I mean, my God, Andrew, the future looks really bright just with those three guys alone.
1: Yeah. I mean, seeing the shield up close, I I saw them a year ago at Barclays and then uh, just last Monday. And man, I mean, those dudes are so good and so over and, you know, after Raw went off the air, the, the three of them they cut they cut a real babyface promo in the ring, and and um, obviously we know that uh, at some point that you know Dean and Seth are going to turn on on uh, Roman and really launch him into being this super huge babyface. But uh, right now, I, I just love watching them, and I think all three of them are going to be players.
0: Yeah, very very good. I know we agreed on a half hour. Do you have time for maybe one or two more, real quick?
1: Yeah, real quick, one or two, and then I do have to get going. But uh, I'm having a blast. I I love talking wrestling with you guys.
0: Very cool. Let's Thank jump. You. Let's jump. Let's cl- let's actually close it with uh, with Hulk Hogan. Just want to get your thoughts. Hogan is the host. Uh, any predictions on it in terms of what his involvement? You think we'll get a a punch here or, or a shirt rip or something? Just uh, let's close out on that. Actually.
1: Well, ju- I mean, just to show you how bad of a fantasy booker I am, I was convinced that the wrestle the the, the sub main event was going to be Cena. And Hogan versus Bray and Daniel Bryan. so um, <laughs> which would have been a really cool match. I no, you're right stand behind that. If, if they kept Brian if they kept Daniel Bryan in the Wyatt family, that would have been a really cool uh, way to way to get Hogan active and and not have to do anything with Cena doing all the work. But nonetheless, I get super excited you know just hearing that that first guitar riff of I' am a real American so I'm cool with the Hogan hosting whether he gets involved physically in a match. I don't think his body can take it. Maybe he'll lay, maybe he'll lay down some of his hand on the forehead, you know, working punches. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Classic, classic holster. I don't know if he's ripping his shirt off anytime soon. His back is kind of scarred up, but, um, you know, just seeing Hogan back in WWE and being presented the right way, um, you know, only good can come from that. And Hogan's in a place now, I, you know, I've read the WWE.com. Uh, interviews with him that my friend Zach Linder did, and and uh, all his all his press appearances. I mean, he's at a point in his life where he's super grounded now. He's he's speaking seemingly very honestly about guys like Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior and Vince and his history, and he's he's taking credit for a lot of the mistakes that he made back in his career. And it's sort of a really refreshing version of the Hulkster. And when he's not brother brothering, he's he's really speaking from the heart. And I think all the guys. I think just having him there is huge for all the young guys in the locker room. And and hopefully he stays in the WWE family for a long time and we we get to see him uh, sort of in a Shawn Michaels role.
0: Yeah, and and I'll close by saying this. Uh, Think about this, Andrew. You and I will both be in the uh, Superdome. We get to see Hogan live at a WrestleMania. Not just live in person, but live at a WrestleMania. How cool is that?
1: it's going to be huge, and he'll probably just come out and cut a big, babyface promo the way The Rock did uh, a couple of years ago yep. uh, when he was the host. But either way, it, it's all good to me, but icing on the cake would be if they make an impromptu sort of uh, match, or if we get to see some physicality beyond him just throwing the Miz over the top rope. But yeah, I mean, look, I'm an original Hulkamaniac from 85. Uh, you know, he's the reason I started watching wrestling when Paul Orndorff turned on him. Uh, on WWF Superstar. So I'm, I'm a, I'm an OG hulkamaniac. So uh, any hulkster that I get, I'm, um, I'm excited about. And, um, guys, it, you guys are going to be down there. I'm going to be down there. Um, I hope to see you guys in the parking lot with some cool wrestling t-shirts because I got a really good one that I'm breaking out for Mania. Very and, nice. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's
1: always, that's always my favorite thing. If any of your listeners haven't been to Mania, the parking lot is like ground zero for like wrestling t-shirt Mania. It's like, Everybody breaks out their finest, most obscure, coolest wrestling t-shirt. <laughs> and and Gary, uh, knows all,
0: Gary knows about that one. And guys dress up yeah. as macho, man. I've seen that, too. Now, real quick, Andrew, uh, <laughs> just tell everybody where they can find you, Twitter, and anything else you want to plug in. We do appreciate your sure. time.
1: Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at @angegold. A-N-G-E-G-O-L-D. If you tweet me about wrestling, I, I really try hard to write everybody back if you've got questions, and I live-tweet raw. And uh, make a lot of stupid jokes that uh, people get a kick out of. So uh, hit me with a follow, and uh, we'll have some fun on Twitter. You can get me on Instagram at Goldstein Andrew. And um, every morning at 10 a.m. on VH1, I'm a producer writer for a show called Big Morning Buzz Live Daily Live Morning Show with new host Nick Lachey. So oh, yeah. you can tune in. You can tune into that every morning at 10 a.m. on VH1. And then I got my column on PW Mania. A new one should be dropping any day now. Uh, it's, it's on my, why, how I fell in love with Bray Wyatt, uh, from not being a huge fan in the beginning. So that's coming out. And, uh, like I said, at Ang on Twitter and thank you guys for having me. I I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for the time, Andrew. I'll see you. you. I'll see you in new Orleans.
1: All right, guys. I can't wait. Take care, man. See ya.